We are continuing in, in Romans chapter 1. And what we had covered last time, we had been reading from Romans chapter 1, verse 18 onward. And we're going to continue with that today. We're going to continue with that portion and continue to look at that same portion in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 onward. Uh, we won't, you know, we'll just bring out some different points on this. So Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Okay, so we'll stop there for right now. And uh, let's look back up at, at uh, verse 18. And it says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And we mentioned last time that many of us here as believers, we don't know a God like that. We don't know about his wrath. We only see love. And that's, that's certainly what I see in my life. I've never seen this side of God uh, uh, demonstrated in my own life. And this is a direct suppression. It says that they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. This is not, this is not, uh, um, uh, just failing to acknowledge. This is a suppression. Remember, everything here is active. This is an active suppression of the truth. <clears throat> because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. So this is general revelation. It is absolutely evident to them. To the unbeliever, it is evident. To the proverbial man or woman on the island all alone, it is evident to them. To the person in Saudi Arabia, to the person in the middle of Africa, it is evident to them. And how do I know this? Not because I've asked every one of them. I know that this is true because the Bible says that it's true. The Bible says that this is what it is. It was made evident to them. This is what it says. <clears throat> it's been made evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So he says, ever since the creation, it is clearly seen. His divine nature is clearly seen, his eternal power. And it is understood. So by general revelation, people see and understand the truth. 
<clears throat> we know that this is true because that's exactly what the Bible says. <clears throat> like I said last week, it's hard for me to reflect back because I came to know the Lord right after my 18th birthday. <clears throat> so it's been a long time. And I try to think back, what did I know about God? <clears throat> How did I view God at that time? <clears throat> and this is what it, what it says, that, that he, could, he was clearly seen being understood <clears throat> through what has been made. So just through the things that have been made, he could be understood. That's what the scriptures tell us. He could be understood through the things that had been made. And then it says, so that they are without excuse. <clears throat> the Bible says they're without excuse. God gives enough general revelation of himself that no person could say, hey, <clears throat> I never knew. And as we respond to the light, more light comes. As we respond to the light, people are sent our way to preach to us. We talked about it last time, about how someone takes someone from middle America and sends them to a foreign country that they've never even been to, but they feel this burden to go because God is responding to someone who's responding to the general revelation. Verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. I want to focus on this a minute. They didn't honor him as God Literally, it says they did not glorify him as God or give thanks. Now, this word glorify is a little bit hard for us to understand. What do you mean by glorify? What does it mean by glorify? <clears throat> does, does glorify mean I, I sing songs to God? What, what does it mean to glorify God? Well, the New American Standard uh, translate it, translates it as honor. Uh, one might say recognize him. One might say, acknowledge him. Why would we use the word acknowledge? Because if you look it up in verse 28 of the same chapter, or down in verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. So again, so, so the scriptures, this exact passage seems to use some of those words a little bit interchangeably. It's an acknowledgement of God. I was speaking to a man just this week in his 90s who has never received the Lord. He's had the the gospel shared with him many times. He's never received the Lord. Comes from a Jewish home. And he's in his 90s. And I said, give me give me your understanding of God. I just want to understand how you view God. He says, I thank God every day. Every day I thank God for what he's done in my life. Multiple times a day. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You thank God. This is why your heart has never been, been totally closed. He's heard me preach the gospel to him many times. He's not received it, but he's not been totally closed either. And it says right here that if you honor, glorify, acknowledge him as God, it says they did, did not honor him as God or give thanks. There's the key. Honoring God, acknowledging him, and giving thanks to the person who has general revelation. If there's an acknowledging of God and giving thanks, it keeps the door open. It keeps this progression of things that we're going to look at from happening to them. Because they didn't honor God and they didn't give thanks, boom, 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 these things happen. This sequence of events happens. The acknowledging of God and giving thanks allows their hearts to remain at least open to hearing the gospel. 
You can't get saved without that gospel message that Jesus Christ has died for our sins, that he's been buried and he's been raised again from the dead. That is the truth that we need to get saved. But the door remains open when there is an acknowledgement of God and a giving of thanks. This is exactly what it says. It says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. So by the honoring and the giving thanks, this door remains open. But they, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So when they didn't give thanks, when they didn't honor, what happens? They start looking to humankind as the ultimate and, and then even turning to images of animals and crawling creatures and looking at them as the most amazing things around them. This is not to the point where they're worshiping it, but they're looking to those things rather than to God who has already been witness to their hearts. And then it says in verse 24, the result of this is, for God gave them over. God gave them over. And we talked about this last time. This is a judicial giving over. When the judge turns this person over to the executioners. It is a giving over. When the judge turns them over to the bailiff, bailiff, take them away, lock them up. This is a giving over. It's not merely God removing his hands and saying, well, you know, there's enough junk in you to tear up your life. No, this is a giving over. Nothing in this is passive. It is all active. People actively suppressed God. He picked them up and handed them over. It is a giving over. So what did he do? Because of this exchange, because of their failure to thank him, because of their failure to honor, to acknowledge him, they started looking to things around them. And as a result of this, boom, he gave them over. What did he give them over to? Lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. He allowed their bodies now, he gave over their bodies to be dishonored among them. There was this giving over of their bodies to also be dishonored among them. This is what he gave them over to. And so so uh, we see this pattern, this progression. So for example, for example, it says in uh, um, uh, Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. As we sow to the flesh, they're turning to the flesh, they're turning to man, they're turning to animals, looking at this as the ultimate in God's creation, as the ultimate that God, uh, the ultimate in all of what, what's seen around them. Then their flesh begins to become corrupt. <clears throat> And you, you see the same pattern here. He gave them over to this. <clears throat> now in verse 25, they went further. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And in fact, that a lie is really, the literal is the lie. They changed the truth of God for the lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. 
Now they go into full-scale worship of the creature rather than the creator. It's a full-scale worship of, of the creature rather than the creator himself. So you see this progression. The whole thing kicked off by a failure to acknowledge that God is there and to give thanks. And this man in his 90s remains open to the gospel, though he's not received it, because he acknowledged God and he continued to give thanks. And he continues to this day to give thanks to God. He said several times a day. This is huge. If a person's going to acknowledge God and give thanks, there is this responding to general revelation. And with this responding to general revelation, the gospel keeps going forth to them, keeps going forth. He was telling me how he, you know, he had been in coma for six weeks. He came out of it. He had had MRSA, this, this deadly bacterial disease that you get in hospitals. He had had double pneumonia, nearly died from that. He had had so many sicknesses and he kept recovering. He kept recovering. The gospel message keeps going forth to him. Because he acknowledges God and he gives thanks. And you see that, that, uh, there's this progression down where they start. So in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over. So again, this is a second giving over to degrading passions for their woman exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desires toward other men. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now, I want to I want to say that that um, uh, uh, and I, I mentioned this a few months ago, and and uh, this this is just just uh, something where where uh, I've become a lot more aware just in the last year year and a half of of the struggles that believers go through in the realm, in the sexual realm of same-sex attraction. That's something that I never had myself. I had plenty of heterosexual attraction to the point where, you know, that's what, what convicted me of my sin, the extent of it. But but uh, uh, same-sex attraction. And I can remember young men coming to me at times, because here I am teaching these Bible studies, to share with me what was going on in their own hearts in this realm. And I was never very good at assessing what they were getting at. I just was not good at it. And, and, uh, and I feel that, that they came to me for help. Now, now you have to understand, I've never been trained in spiritual counseling. I've never been trained in the Bible. I just do the best I can. So, so, uh, um, you know, I learned how to be a parent by being a parent. So my kids took the brunt of all my errors. I learned how to be a husband by being a husband. So Shireen took the brunt of all my failures in this. Now, I did occasionally read books about it, but uh, again, I'm not very good. I never got a PhD in that sort of thing. So I want to apologize to people who have come to me. And it's been a couple of young men over the years that have come to me to share this. I've read a lot in the past year about this. And some good books that have helped me a lot in understanding this, a particularly good book, which I've mentioned before, it's by Rachel Gilson, G-I-L-S-O-N, and it's called Born Again This Way. Born Again This Way. It's by a woman, same-sex attracted, and the things that she went through in her life. She came from a non-Christian home, 
And I learned a lot from her. So, so it, it could be a good resource for you. Born Again This Way by Rachel Gilson. Another book that helped me a lot was a book by Rebecca McLaughlin. McLaughlin is M.C. Laugh, M.C. Laugh, L-I-N, McLaughlin. Uh, and and uh, uh, she has a book called Confronting Christianity, which is really good, especially if you want to witness to people, because it, it goes through 12 things that, that the unbelievers often, you know, why, why, why is there, there, there pain in the world? Why do, you know, you know, the innocent seem to suffer in the world? She deals with all of these points. One of her chapters is, isn't Christianity homophobic? And she herself is a same-sex attracted woman. And uh, so I found that book, Confronting Christianity, particularly good. And I, I read a lot beyond this. I read, for example, the book by Matthew Vines, Matthew Vines' book, which is God and the Gay Christian, which uh, uh, he himself is a, is a, is a same-sex attracted young man. Uh, after reading his book and studying, I didn't agree with his interpretation on, on certain things, but it was good to hear his perspective. And... Uh, uh, as far as the law of the land, the law of the land is clear. I mean, you, you can get married, you can, you, you, you in, in, in a same-sex relationship, you can get married. The law of the land is clear. As believers, we have something else as well. We have the word of God. And all I want to do is I want to urge you that, 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 uh, read these books and there's struggles that people go on in this. I don't think that this is particularly speaking about that. I don't think that this, portion is particularly speaking about the same-sex attracted person, just as as verse 24 is not speaking about the the heterosexual attracted person. It's speaking as an abuse of these things. So so, uh, anyway, we're going to press on from there, but I I just want you to know, if you struggle in this area, I'm not making any judgments. I want to share with everybody. So whether you're same-sex attracted or you're heterosexual or, or whether you're trans, I want to share the gospel with everybody, with everybody, because the gospel just cuts through all of this. I want to share the gospel with everyone. And uh, um, and again, I haven't been particularly good in, in speaking with, with people who are trans and, and uh, going through this, these transitions. And I've sat with them and I've talked with them, but I wasn't very good at it. And I've read much more about it in the last year. In fact, during this pandemic period, I did a lot of reading and studying in that area. So, so I think I might be a little bit better at it and a little bit better at understanding this. So if you have those struggles, uh, you come to me, I share the gospel with you. And if you're a believer, you can come to me and talk with me. Again, I'm not an expert in this, but at least I can point you to some resources. And if you're a believer, point you to resources for other people that have struggled in this dimension. Because it is, it is, it, it's just, they're torn. I mean, and, and my heart really goes out to them because they're really torn. It's a lot of pressure on them when, when, uh, they're, they're same sex attracted. And there's, there's actually different gradations of this and it varies apparently through people's lives. And, uh, uh um, so anyway, if, if you want to talk about that sometime, I am, I am available for that. All right. And we can do it by Zoom as well. Uh, I'm not a great counselor, but but I'll do the best I can. All right, verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over. So there's the third giving over. So you see, this is a... He puts them here, and then he goes... And he takes them from there, and he puts them to there. 
It is a continual giving over, continual lack of acknowledgement to God, lack of giving thanks, and they move further and further. They are, they are moved further and further from that which is good. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. He gave them over to a depraved mind. So, so picture this in your mind. Picture this in your mind. There is a door. Through that door is a, is a being that just instills depravity to the mind. And God takes you and puts you through that door. So now you're in the power of the depraved mind. That's a scary thing. It is a scary thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a scary thing to fail to acknowledge him and to fail to give him thanks. Because through general revelation, there is enough there. And then he lists 21 things here that come with this depraved mind. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. This is the last stage where he turns you over. He opens that door to Mr. Depraved Mind, and he takes you and he puts you through that door. And now you're in the hands of Mr. Depraved Mind. Some demonic power that instills their depraved mind on the individual. It is a scary thing. And and uh, uh, so if I think back, if I think back, what is it? Did I did I have this? And and again, I I came to the Lord a long time ago. So so it, it kind of fades, but you know, I, I started working in this gas station on the highway at the age of 14. That was my first introduction to grown men that had come from really sordid pasts. At the age of 15, I became the manager of the gas station, both gas stations on the highway, just outside New York City, both sides of the road. I was the manager at the age of 15. You must say, wow, you must have great leadership. No, I was the only one who didn't have a criminal record. That's, that's why he trusted me more with the money than anybody else. And these guys taught me how to deceive. So in other words, it was called hanging the pump. So they would, somebody would come in, and in those days, gas was cheaper than it is today. In those days, gas wasn't even near a dollar a gallon. It was, I, I don't know, 50 cents a gallon, something like that. So, so, uh, uh, well, it was less than 50 cents a gallon. So in any way, anyway, uh, uh, a car would come and they'd say, give me $2 worth. So $2, you know, you were getting about five gallons of gasoline. And, uh, uh, so they, they give you $2, you put $2 of gasoline in the car. And then you, didn't put the pump back. You just left it on the ground or you could wedge it in without cranking the handle back. So the next car would come in and they'd say, fill it up. So you take this and they're driven ahead and it, it, it wasn't self-serve in those days. It was all, there was no self-serve in those days. In fact, they discouraged it. And so you take it and you start filling it from $2 onward. So they're paying you for the whole bill that's going to show on that thing but it started at $2, so you could pocket $2. 
They taught me how to do that. I remember the first time I did that because I learned from them. They were giving hearty approval for people who would do this. So I learned that. I remember the first time I did it, the guy was so nice. And I took his money and I felt so bad. He was a nice guy, like, I don't know, mid-30s, which to me was really old because I was, I was like 14 years old. And, and, uh, but gentlemen, and I felt so bad about taking his money. And then I did it again to somebody else. And I don't remember that person because it started to become more natural. And then I remember I told my brother what I did because he had worked in that gas station for years before me. And he looked at me, he goes, he goes, you do that? You're a thief. You're a thief. And it hit me. I was a thief. And I never did it again. I never did it again. These guys were bringing me down a path and I never did it again because of what my brother said to me. My brother said, you're a thief. He said, I would never do that. And, and, uh, and my brother was several years older than me and, and, uh, uh, I stopped doing it. But there were things that convicted me that stopped me of it. There are things that God was dropping into my life at a young age to tell me this is wrong. Even when I deceived that guy the two dollars, I had the guilt. That was God speaking to me. God is speaking to the unbeliever and tells them that things are wrong. But when you've hit this stage in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, you're filled. This is not just a little bit of unrighteousness. You're filled. At this stage, you're filled. Filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy. Can you imagine being full of envy that everything else, full of envy, everything else that somebody has, you want? This is what the stage of life comes to. These are not pleasant people. I see the attack of these people upon me on the internet and the vile things they say. And boy, I'd love to say some things back, but I'm not allowed to because God's got a hold of me. But what they must be struggling with in their own hearts, they're full of vileness, full of evil. It says that that, uh, uh, um, they're just full of envy. Murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. These guys invent evil. I didn't know how to do evil like these men knew. I, mean, I was just 14 years old. I started working in that guest. I learned how to do evil from these guys. I mean, people can be really creative. What happens? You go to college and you learn from engineers how to be a good engineer. You never thought of that yourself. They they taught you about a lever and what it does. They taught you about a wheel. They taught you about a fulcrum. They taught you about uh, about a movable pulley. And all of a sudden, you get, in an education, you, you get thousands of years of human knowledge, the acquiring of human knowledge over thousands of years, you get put into you in one class. That's what education does for you. I mean... You take an organic chemistry class. This is hundreds of years of studying organic chemistry. You get it in one semester. You do. This is people who toil for hundreds of years. Boom. It's the same with evil. You meet an evil person. They can teach you evil you never even thought about. But they're not peaceful people. It's a destruction of life. It's just absolute destruction of life. This This week... I was sharing with a gentleman and he, he might even be, be 
on this on this Zoom call. And and uh, um, nice guy, nice guy. He wrote to me. He said he said uh, um, I'm 66 years old. Um, I had an experience with God when I was 26, and I never n- did anything with it. He says I I didn't acknowledge anything that I, I I knew it was wrong, but I did so many wrong things in my life. Do you think there could be any forgiveness for me? He says, I don't, I don't want to even take your time, but if you could just, he says, I've watched every video about you on the internet, everyone. He said, could you take 10 seconds and just pray for me? And so I emailed him back. I said, look, why don't we just meet by Zoom and, and, and I'll share with you exactly how you can be forgiven. No problem. And so he said, I never thought I'd get a reply. And so we met by Zoom and he received the Lord. And it was hard for him to receive the Lord. And I know it because remember when I told you about Isaiah 45, verse 23. In Isaiah 45, 23, when it says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Young people, when I share this with them, it doesn't affect them that much. But the older person who's lived a life of sin, when God says, I will wipe out your transgressions for my own sake. And I said to him, I said, this is God speaking to you. He says he's wiping out your transgressions for his own sake. He loves you enough. He's not going to leave you there. He's not going to leave you there. And I knew this guy had been through so much because one of the analogies that I use about when when the Bible says that that God demonstrates his own love toward us. I said, uh, uh, and so I will tell people, okay, do you have children? I'll ask them, do you have children? If you have children, you understand what it is to, to protect your child. You're going to protect your child. So I use that as one of the analogies as I'm sharing. I said, do you have children? He says, yeah, I have two sons. I said, how old are they? He goes, oh, you know, I, I don't quite know. One, one's about 35 and the other one's about probably about five years younger. And he said, I, I never really had much input in their lives. You know, I just want you to see what this, you know, this guy has gone down a, pro, a line of progression where he never had much input in his son's life, his son's lives, and he regrets it. All the things that he had done, and my heart is just pouring out for him because I know the way of salvation for him. You go down this road of denying God, of denying the little things, and what he was saying was, I knew at each instant I was denying God and what he had done in my life and the demonstration of his security upon me when I was 26 and how I pushed that away. That's what he was crying out. It is so true. This is what he does for the unbeliever. The witness to the unbeliever, the witness to the denier doesn't go away. I mean, it's there, but they suppress it to the point that, to the point that They'll, it says in verse 32, and although they know the ordinances of God, they know it. They know the ordinances of, of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. They continue to do it. God does not leave them without a witness, but they suppress it 
And, and, and uh, uh, they realize that they are worthy of death for that. That's what it says. You say, well, do they really realize it? Yes, they really realize it because the Bible says it. They realize they're worthy of death for those things. The witness of God remains there. It is powerful upon the unbeliever. The witness of God remains there, but they go further and further down this line and it becomes very difficult because they're filled with envy and strife. And when you get attacked, remember, Jesus said, blessed are you when men revile you and curse you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We are to rejoice and be glad when he does, when these things happen. He says, he says, blessed are you in, in Luke chapter six, verse 22. He says, blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the son of man. If because of a witness, people have ostracized you, people have insulted you and scorned your name as evil for the sake of the son of man. He says, be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward in heaven is great. The people who scorn you, imagine where they're living. They're living in this, in these 21 things. They're living in these 21 things. They are full, full of unrighteousness. They are filled with unrighteousness, filled with wickedness, filled with envy, with murder, with strife, with, 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 with malice. They're filled with this. And they're saying these things. And look what he says you're to do. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. So you know what I was doing a couple days ago? Because somebody really came out and attacked me on the internet. I mean, I just watched this. Somebody said, you gotta watch with it. So I, I went through it. It was just painful. And the Bible says, leap for joy. So, you know, I have a herniated disc in my back. So I, I have to be very careful about jumping. So I just jumped a little bit. Because the Bible said leap. So I'm going to obey it. It's a leap for joy. Leap for joy. For behold, your reward in heaven is great. And I thought, wow, I have received so many rewards from God in my life. I wonder what it's going to be. I wonder what the reward for this is going to be. Because he's got some huge reward for me now. And I'm supposed to leap for joy. So somebody wrote to me, he says, are you okay? I said, I'm leaping. <laughs> I'm leaping. This is what it is. But those poor fellows who do this, who hide behind, you you, you know, this internet thing, they are just, they're caught in these 21 things of destruction in their lives, absolute destruction. And imagine how torn up they are. Imagine living with all of that in your mind. I mean, it's a terrible place to live. So for those of you who might not know the Lord, I urge you, I urge you this day, come to him, come to him. Jesus says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, come to me. This is the message of the gospel, come. You know, I've never been, never been very good about having altar calls and people come... But you email me, send me an email, and you'll find my email on the internet or tour at rice.edu, you'll find it. Send me an email, we'll set up a Zoom conversation, and you'll get saved that very day. 
and you can get freed from these 21 things that just plague your mind. You can be freed from it. You really can be freed. God has a way of freedom for you. Even if you're 66 years old, he has a way of freedom for you. Just get with me. And for me, it's a labor of love. It's not a burden. Oh, the guy's too busy. No, for me, yeah, I mean, it's, it's time set aside, but it's a, it's a labor of love. I love to do it. I love to tell people about my Jesus. So contact me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Abba, you are so good to us. Thank you, Lord, that you warn us about this progression if we were to reject you. You warn us about this. And I pray, Father, for the unbelievers that might be on this line or in this room, that they would come to know you, that their hearts would soften, and that they would come to know you, that they would take up this offer to hear from me, tell them the gospel, because they will be saved that very day. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word that you can bring change into people's lives. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. You are so good. And Lord, I pray for the unbelievers that they would keep their hearts open to acknowledge God and to continue to give thanks to him, to thank him for life, for eyes that they can see, for ears that they can hear for minds that they can understand, for legs that they can walk, for hands that they can do things, that they would continue to give you thanks. Lord, I pray for the believers who are here, that they would learn to take hold of your word, to not go down that way of death, to not feed the flesh. Father, for those here who struggle with same-sex attractions or struggle with heterosexual attractions that are overcoming them, Father, I pray for your mercies upon them, that your grace would abound and the victory that comes in Christ. Lord, your mercies be there. The grace of God be with them, I pray. Bless my brothers and sisters. Bless them, I pray. Father, bless those, I pray, with the same-sex attractions, those who are trans. Bless them, I pray. May the mercies of God rest upon them. Your mercy, in the name of Jesus. Amen.